I'm Carissa. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics. We review books, movies, and TV shows. And today we're talking about Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. Love it. Okay, so the inside flap, in case you guys are wondering. 16-year-old Aza never intended to pursue the mystery of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake, and her best and most fearless friend, Daisy, is eager to investigate. So together they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Russell Pickett's son, Davis. Aza is trying. She is trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective while also living within the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. But also, literally... That doesn't even come close to describing the whole thing. <laughs> um, Jade, what's your history with this book? So, look, you have the signed copy, pre-ordered, you know, it's cool. I got it from the library like two weeks ago. I read about three chapters like three days ago, and I read the rest today. Um, that's how we're doing, and that is our personalities. So, <laughs> if you want to know me, that's it. That's the whole thing. Yeah, I remember watching John Green's YouTube video when he, like, announced it, and then I was like, oh, I have to get this book. So I pre-ordered it from Amazon because I was trying to get a signed copy that one of his kids had signed, because there was, like, a few, like, he signed all of the, like, Amazon ones, but then a few of them, like, his kids signed, and I wanted one of those, and I didn't get that one. That's creepy, but anyways. <laughs> um. But I'm not a, like, big John Green fan, but he was just, like, one of those people that I followed after Fault in Our Stars. And I don't know if I was actually subscribed to his YouTube channel at this time, or if I just found it. But I did, and I got it, I pre-read it, ordered it, like, when did this book come out? 2017. So yeah, I got it, and I read it then, and I forgot all of it. <laughs> I remember the, like, thought spiral. And that was about it. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing, so... Yeah, I don't remember the plot at all. But I have thoughts about that, so. <laughs> well. Alright, so. Any comments about the book now that you finished reading it? Today, a few hours ago, <laughs> maybe at like 4 o'clock and it's 7. Um, <laughs> so, I, I really liked how he writes. I didn't at first. I um I texted you as soon as I started it and was like, I can't tell that a girl is talking, and that <laughs> upset me a lot. So, but after a while, got over that. Um, I do, I do like it. Um, I'm not going to give it a rating yet, because that's unfair. <laughs> we'll probably do that at the end, because it'll probably change. Um, but... I thought it was super relatable, especially nowadays, like all the stuff going on. There's a pandemic going on, guys. If you, if you didn't know, like, that's crazy. You know? You're wondering when we're recording this. Um, it's yeah. pandemic time. 2020, it's <laughs> lit, dude. Um, so, yeah, I just think the, like, the anxiety... I see that a lot in so many kids, and I related to a lot of this book, so. Yeah, I read that down, like, I don't know, probably, like, chapter, like, 15 or something like that. Oh, I was gonna say, like, a hundred times? <laughs> Same. But just, like, the, how the characters all felt really real, in a sense that I could relate to all of them. Yeah. And I could, like, feel their emotions. Literally, just Noah. Like, I just, I love him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but like when Aza like starts losing her mind, like yeah. I can like understand that, and then I but I could also feel the helplessness from her mom and Daisy, yeah. and the helplessness that she's feeling in herself, and then like Davis's whole thing. Like Bro. he's a lot, but I he's a mess. Relate to him a lot. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first got it. Like all I knew was that the book was about mental health. Yeah, and I was like, that's gonna be fun. That's all I knew. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you told me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I literally do not remember any of this book when I was rereading it. Like there were parts of it when I was like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah. But like, I just. One, I would like to say that that's the kind of impression that this book leaves. Oh. <laughs> Is that three years later, I didn't remember it. But I also feel the same way about The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns and Looking for Alaska. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Sorry, Mr. John. Um, anyways. Yeah, all of those, I've read those, and I'm, I remember Fault in Our Stars because it was a movie. Yeah. But they all just, like, a very young adult unimpressionable books oh, but I enjoyed reading yeah. them at the time this is the first John Green thing I've experienced <laughs> didn't even read Fault in Our Stars when it was popular so if that tells you anything <laughs> left a little better impression anyway <laughs> I, I may not remember it in three years because that's a long time but, like... <laughs> but it's just like comparing it to like the like, I read Harry Potter for the first time in 8th grade, and I can tell you exactly what happens in every single book. Yeah. And I read Percy Jackson in, like, 7th grade, but I can tell you exactly what happens in every single book. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like this wasn't written that way, because it's not a series, too, yeah. and we didn't, like, obsessively read fan fiction about this book and like make our own characters and stuff yeah i'm trying to think of another book that i remember i mean there's like i thought about this when i finished reading the book because i i didn't like the ending and i don't know who's talking about that now or not this ending yeah i didn't like this ending what i but literally like, wrote in all caps that i loved it what <laughs> the heck? okay so we're gonna talk about that <sighs> but like i read last summer i read the clockmaker's daughter and i hated the ending but like i hated yeah. it to the point where i constantly thought about how much i hated the ending wow. but like a year later like that book still has left an impression on me so it's like a different yeah kind of thing where like i didn't like it that much I liked it up until the ending, but this book, I'm kind of like, it's cool, but I, it's not something that, like, changed my life. Yeah. I feel like this is, like, the sprinkles on the icing on the cake. <laughs> it's, like, it's not the substance, it's not even the thing people lick off, it's, like, the sprinkles that most people choose not to put on there, or it's just for, like, pretty decoration, just to look nice. That's a good description. Well, sorry, Mr. John. Um, so the ending. <laughs> I liked it. What the Start heck? Start at the end and go back. Yeah, that's I thought, a good way to do it. Okay, so after the car crash. Yeah. One, I wrote in, like, chapter two, I was like, something's gonna happen to Harold. Like, as soon as she starts oh, introduction, like, when she right. starts talking about how much she loves it, I'm like, this car's gonna, something's gonna happen to it. And I don't know if that was because... It was kind of obvious, or because I remember that part like subconsciously mm, yeah. from reading it again, or but he just like she just talked about there's like two pages about how much she loves this car, and I was like something's gonna happen to it. Yeah, I didn't like 
consciously think about that because I've been having car trouble <laughs> lately, but uh, I was just like, oh man, I relate. I wasn't like, oh, I bet this is going to be terrible, so. Yeah, but then, like, after the car crash, you have this, like, intense moment where she's, like, in the hospital, and she's, like, drinking hand sanitizer, and she, like, loses her mind, and then in chapter 20, she, like, asks for help, and then after that, it's almost like things are okay, except John Green is telling you that things are not completely okay, but everybody's acting like things are okay, and it just felt, like, really weird yeah like i was expect like i wasn't really expecting a happy ending but i was also like it wasn't the ending it just left me feeling weird like i would have bet preferred it if it was super happy or if it was super depressing yeah instead of just like things are okay but they're not okay but they're okay (laughs) i okay so the thing i liked about it was that um like, after all the craziness happened, the drinking hand sanitizer, bro, like, <laughs> whoa, man, I had to, after reading that chapter, I had to, like, leave the room for a second. I was like, I'm done. I need to just... Is that when you texted me and it was like, this is the intense part? Yeah! <laughs> I just, like, talked to my mom about it. I was like, I don't know what to do now. I have to finish this book, I guess. It's stressing me out. Um, but... The thing I liked after, I think it did a really good job of depicting what it's like starting medication for something that's serious. Because it's not just like, oh yeah, everything's going to be great or everything's still going to be terrible. Like, yeah, I could still be terrible, but that was the whole book. Like, she was explaining, yeah, everything's going to be terrible, but, you know, but... Once you start medication, it's such a long road to getting better. And it even describes, like, she was hospitalized at least twice after Mm -hmm. that in the future. So it was like, things weren't perfect. But it's just like this weird middle ground where you're like, I'm not really sure what's going on or what's happening. I guess things are better. And, like, when you're reading it, you can just tell she's not spiraling out of control. Yeah. Like... She may be spiraling, but she knows how to stop it and how to be like, okay, I'm good. Everything's fine, I guess. It's just like this weird, not euphoric, it's just this weird middle place that you're not sure what's happening. So I thought that was a really good depiction of that, but I can see how it'd be kind of frustrating, like... We just went through this whole thing. Yeah. And, and you're just, telling me. It's just like, it took us 20 chapters to get to this, like, intense climax, and then the rest of it's resolved in four. That's true. Like, that it just felt really fast. And, like, I like the stuff about medication, like, because I don't understand that. Yeah. And it's, like, hard for me to, like, see that as somebody who's not taking medication or, like, anything like that like I've never experienced some kind of like mental situation where I like literally feel like I'm spiraling out of control but from a literary standpoint the fact (laughs) that the like bottom slope of the hill was four chapters long is kind of weird yeah like the ratio is it's supposed to be like 1.6 of the way through you're supposed to have the climax and then it's supposed to do like a gradual fall (laughs) instead of just like 20 chapters! Okay, we're done. 
Yeah, but I do feel like the 20 chapters were important Yeah, for us to get to this point where she literally spirals completely out of control. Yeah. And it was, like, a gradual spiral out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I liked that a lot. I just hated that it took us... That's why I felt like it was so fast. Because yeah. there's, like, four chapters, then it's done. And you're like, oh, I guess she's fine now, I guess. So, you wanted it to be longer? Maybe. Like, the... Instead of it being four, like, maybe a little bit more resolution. Yeah. And then I just wanted there to be a lot more showing and a lot less telling. Because it was so short, like, I had just had to listen to them being, like... And then she was hospitalized two more times. And then, like, this happened. Yeah, While, like, before that, like, I felt a lot of the emotions. And I could, like, relate to them. And I was just like, oh, this is sad. Like, I feel sad right now. Yeah. In the end, I was just like, oh, that's fine. I guess it's over now. (laughs) Yeah, it went from super descriptive to more poetic and metaphoric, which could also be representational, but, I mean, that's a stretch. I feel like metaphors are better when you can't describe what's going on. Like, when you're spiraling out of control, like, a metaphor is a way that I would use to describe something. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. So, the ending was just disappointing to me. Yeah, and that's, like, endings are, like, a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. Like, a bad ending will ruin the whole book for me. Yeah. That's, like, again, with The Clockmaker's Daughter. Like, I, that ending made me so upset with the whole book. Because it's just, like, you're going this far, and then, like, they disappoint you in the end. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a good ending, so same. <laughs> that's why I liked it so much, is because I liked the end. So, okay, on 242, we're going Bible style. I am literally going to quote here. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay. Um, so she starts talking about, because throughout the whole book, she has to, like, she, like, cuts her finger and has mm-hmm. to change the Band-Aid, and she's afraid of getting infected and getting um, whatever it is. Some disease that I... C. diff. C. diff that I'd never heard of until this book. Yeah. It's a intestinal... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, your bacteria gets out of worse in your intestines, and it usually happens after surgeries when you're, like, exposed. Yeah. Um, so, she, like, she would, um, take the band-aid off and replace it a bajillion times, clean the wound, freak out about infection... But then on this page, she she said, I'd have to change the Band-Aid before history, have to go through the whole annoying ritual for it. But for now, I liked being next to Daisy. So it was like, she didn't have to have mm-hmm. that compulsion. She was kind of moving past it. Like, she still changed the Band-Aid once a day, but she wasn't changing it a million times and compulsively doing the thing. Yeah, because it's, like, a whole thing, is that the more she spirals out of control, the more she has to change the Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is this moment where it's like, well, I have to do this, but right now it can wait. Yeah. Which is a good segue to talk about Daisy. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> that's the point where I was in all caps going, I am literally gonna throat punch this girl. Like, yeah, okay, so chapter one, Ugh. I wrote down that... I was like, oh, Daisy's kind of supportive, like, good for her. Yeah. But then I was like, no. but then I finished the chapter and I was like thinking about it. I was like, 
But actually, she's also kind of selfish. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, you're spiraling out of control. Let's go, like, watch TV together. But also, I need a ride to work. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. like, it was framed in this way that it was like, I'm only friends with you because I need a ride to work. Yeah. And then it was later on, I don't know where I put it, but it, I put that... Daisy's friends with Aza only because Aza doesn't fight against Daisy's power. And Aza is only friends with Daisy because Daisy is the only person willing to be friends with Aza. That was chapter Dang. five. Yeah, I am. Because it's like, the, that was the point where she's like coming home from school and then Daisy's like, let's go to Davis Pickett's house mm-hmm. and like investigate this. And then Aza's just like, okay. Yeah, like I don't really want to, but whatever. It just seemed like... It seems like throughout the whole book, Daisy is like, I'm the one with the power, but she's also like kind of the sidekick because she's not the protagonist of the story, but in their relationship, she's the one with all the power. Yeah, and that came out later when um, Aza was like, literally, shut up, you just talk all the time. Right, so later on... Well, then Daisy gets a boyfriend and, like, basically drops Aza, which makes me so mad because I have friends like that who are just, like, only friends with you because it's convenient, but, like, never reach out to you any other times, and then they're like, oh, I have a boyfriend, bye, or, like, oh, this better friend came along, bye, and so I was just, like, felt so bad for Aza because she's, like, losing her mind, Mm -hmm. and Daisy's just, like, being a crappy friend. But also, I understand what it's like to be the friend looking in Mm -hmm. on, like, somebody who's, like, struggling with mental illness and not knowing what to do. Yeah. And just just feels this point where, like, do do they even want my help? And then, like, you're afraid to ask. And just, like, this whole, like, struggle with trying to be the friend. Yeah. So I, like, understand that side of Daisy, but I feel like Daisy could have handled the whole situation a lot better. Yeah. And on my side, I get the point of being stuck inside yourself and not knowing a way out and there's literally nothing anyone can do to help but also thinking wow i'm so selfish for thinking that way why don't i think about other people and then she starts to actually ask daisy hey what do your parents do how have they been friends for that long (laughs) oh my gosh yeah there was a point and i okay chapter 16 i think that was when they like had their fight I'm trying to see. That's the one. Chapter 16 is when Aza reads her fan fiction. Dude. (laughs) And then I wrote down, we're in chapter 16, and I have no idea what kind of movies Aza likes to watch. Hmm. That's true. Because every time Daisy's like, let's hang out. It's like, let's watch Star Wars together. And then, but... Aza tells Davis at another point in the book that she doesn't really like Star Wars. She just watches it because Daisy likes it. Yeah. Because Davis is like, what do you want to watch? And then they end up watching a space movie anyway. Yeah, two. (laughs) Because Aza's, like, not telling people, like, what she wants. That's her flaw. Yeah. But we're talking about Daisy right now. (laughs) Definitely, in all caps, wrote, never write about your friends in a bad way on the internet. They will always find out. At least not in a way 
that's obvious that it's them. <laughs> yeah, especially in fan fictions. Like, plus, dude. people don't like OC fan fictions anyway. Yeah. Like, what? Like that's not my favorite kind of fan fiction. Like, that's no. not what I'm gonna look for. No. Unless you do it really well. But I mean, even then. they kept talking about how good of a writer she was, so maybe she's yeah. doing it really well. I think that's garbage, but it's fine. Um, also, who writes Ray Chewbacca? <laughs> Listen, her whole thing about Chewbacca, bro, it's not that serious. I have comments on that. I just don't remember what chapter it is. <laughs> yeah. I also, I commented earlier when... Aza was reading it and going, wow, Ayala sounds a lot like me. I went, the name is so similar. And then she commented on it later and was like, you barely even changed the letters. Dude. I put that Daisy's Star Wars debate about whether or not Chewie's a person is just a big mood. Because like... (laughs) How would he not be a person? He has feelings. We can't go into a Star Wars debate right now. (laughs) This can't happen. But it's just, like, definitely the kind of thing that I would debate with somebody. Yeah. My other comment on it was a rant about how much I love Ahsoka. Yeah. Like, it wasn't even about Chewbacca. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. The fact that, um, who was it, Daisy, that said Attack of the Clones was literally the worst. Going, yep. We agree on that. I thought she liked that for the clones. Uh, No, Aza said it was bad. Right. Daisy really liked it. That's my best. That's another reason why we can't trust Daisy's judgment. Yeah, (laughs) for real. What the heck? Yeah. So then... So then... Daisy writes about Aza and her fanfiction. is like, this is a crappy person. And then later, right before they get in a car crash, Daisy, like calls Aza out for being selfish and I just lost it oh like I was gosh. so mad because so the whole mad. time that we've been reading up to this point I'm like Daisy's so selfish Daisy's so selfish like she's not caring about Aza's feelings whatsoever yeah. and then she calls Aza out for being selfish and like to be fair Aza doesn't know these things that Daisy's calling her out for yeah but also she Daisy dropped her as soon as she got a boyfriend yeah, and Daisy hardly knows anything about Aza at all, and doesn't really care about her feelings anyways, so I, like, at that part, I got both sides, Daisy just ticked me off. Yeah, and then the whole time where, like, Aza's running theme is she's like, I don't know if I'm fiction or not, which is a hilarious thing to put in a fiction book. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this, like, breaking the fourth wall? But, like, <laughs> so that Aza's, like, biggest fear is that she's not real and that she's just, like, a collection of things, that she's not, like, her own person. Mm-hmm. But then, like, Davis sees, like, the good in Aza and makes her feel real. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Daisy turns around and is like, well, this is my fanfiction character that's just like you, and it just, like, points out, like, all of Aza's flaws and makes her feel, like, more dehumanized. Yeah. So there's, like, this interesting parallel between Davy and Davis, where Davis tries to make her feel real, like, get her outside of herself and, like, feel more human, and all Daisy does is push her back inside of herself. Yeah. That's true. I mean, she just 
talks nonstop all the time. And she asked a couple times, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? But as soon as, um, what was his name? Michael came into the picture. Yeah. It just kind of ruined everything. And she went, oh, well, I have work. I have a boyfriend. Hey, we haven't talked in a while. Like, that's such a fake move, honestly. <laughs> like, bro, if you actually cared, you'd really catch up instead of just watching a movie you like. Like, having exactly enough time to watch Attack of the Clones and then needing a ride to work. Right. Convenient. Whoa, wow. Or, did she go see Michael after that? Yeah, she went on a date with Michael. Right. <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, I was, like, written... Yeah, chapter seven, eighteen is when Daisy calls her out for being self-centered. And I was like, maybe it's true. Maybe A's is self-centered. But so are you. <laughs> yeah, she's got a bunch of issues going on. Like, Daisy's issues are superficial and materialistic in the fact that she doesn't have as much money, all this stuff. But at the same... So mad. Yeah, but, <laughs> like... Aza can't control her condition either. It's all internal, and she has no idea how to understand it until the tunnel. And I went, that is such a good physical description of what it's like. Right. Wow. Yeah, my biggest thing is that, like, we only know that, like, Aza's not selfish because we can see her inner thoughts as the reader, and Daisy can't. And so that's what I'm saying, like, Aza's biggest flaw is that she can't, like, she doesn't talk about what's going on inside of her head. Yeah. Which I understand, like, I'm not a person. There's multiple quotes where they, or, like, when she tells Davis, like, try saying what you're thinking. That's something that I don't do very often. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, same. I don't do that very often. Yeah. And so, like, a lot of times people look at me and, like, not know what I'm thinking. And so they'll just make, like, assumptions. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, I can understand... Daisy looking at Aza being like, well, she's just so selfish because she's not doing all these things for me. And because Aza's not, in, like, expressing what's happening internally, nobody, like, knows what's going on. Which is why chapter 20 was when she asked for help was, like, a big deal. Yeah. And I, like, my only note for that chapter is that I'm very proud of you, Aza. <laughs> in all caps. <laughs> this chapter was only two pages and written in second person. Like, she was seeing these things happen out of her body. That was my only note for that chapter. I did not even realize it was written in second person. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, you did this, you did I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. She's describing all the experiences she's having because she literally just broke right there. That was her breaking point. That's crazy. And that's why it was in second person. I did not realize that. Yeah. That makes it even better. It's crazy. That's why I liked it. Right, so, but then Davis doesn't really understand what's going on inside Aza's head, but he still tries. Yeah. And I think that's where the difference is between them. I love Davis so much. Yeah. (laughs) One, Davis's moodiness is just very relatable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just, when they're, like, texting and... She's, he's like, you don't like your body very much. And she's like, no. And then he's like, well, I like it. And they're just, like, going back and forth about all the things they like about each other's, like, bodies. That part was so funny. I okay. was like, this is so cute. And it's, like, really good where he's, like, taking her out 
you're yeah. like, no, like, I like these things about you. Mm-hmm. Like, you may hate them, but I like them. And he was so patient. Every time she said, look, I can't do this. I'm freaking out right now. He was so patient and said, okay, what can I do to make it better? Yeah. And there's one scene where they're, like, looking at the stars, mm-hmm. which they do, like, every time. Yeah. But they're, like, looking at the stars, and he, she, like, asks him, like, well, what am I looking at? Or maybe he just starts telling her what she's looking at. Mm-hmm. And then he, like, after he's doing that, he, like, asks her, and was like, well, what's going on inside your head? And she, like, tells him. And it's one of these moments where is so trapped inside of her head, and she can't get out. But as soon as somebody asks her, like, the right question, like, yeah. what are you thinking right now? I don't even know what question he asked then, but it was probably something like that. Yeah. And she was just like, well, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about how microbes are making up our entire body, and we're just a collection of bacteria. Yeah. And just, like, that, those moments, basically, don't, like, ask your friends what they're thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you have a friend who is, like, hiding inside themselves, or, like, they don't talk a lot, maybe it's just because they don't know how. Yeah. Meet they, them where they're at. Maybe even if it's over text or if it's through writing letters or whatever, just meet them where they're at. Ask as many questions right. as you can without seeming, like, intrusive. Right. And, like, Aza's mom would always ask, like, are you feeling anxious right now? Yeah. Which is not the right question to ask. Like, obviously. <laughs> like, her entire life is anxious. But if she had been like, well, what are you thinking about right now? And then, like, Aza could show her the spiral yeah i just i hated that she always felt like she had to walk on eggshells i definitely understand that feeling of i don't want to upset my parents so i'm not going to tell them what's going on but then it literally eats you alive yeah just going okay what do i do because they're gonna freak out if i say what i'm actually thinking but they really want to know so what do i do here yeah sometimes i just think and i'm like if somebody asked me what would i what I'm thinking about right now, what would I say? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh. I do a lot of daydreaming. Yeah. And so, like, at work especially, like, if somebody from work walked up to me and be like, what are you thinking right now? Half the time I'm daydreaming, and I don't really want to tell you that I'm daydreaming. <laughs> yeah. Her, her scene where, I don't think anyone asked her what she was thinking, but she actually thought, well, I'm thinking about cows. And just explain that for a page. I'm thinking, girl, same. <laughs> yeah. So, we like Davis here mm, a lot. We love Davis. Davis got house. me to think, go on a very deep spiral at work about suffering. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> what? He won- I took a class last semester and we read a whole book on suffering. Like, the biblical approach to suffering. So it was already something I was thinking about. Okay. But then there's context. Yeah. So, but I was just thinking about how Davis has done, like, he's had terrible things happen to him in his life. Like, his dad ran away and his mom is dead. And then his brother's, like, losing his mind. And, like, Aza's losing her mind. And, like, she doesn't have a dad. And her mom is not very helpful. Though Mm -hmm. she's trying. And Daisy's a terrible friend. So, like, they both have these places of, like, actual real pain and suffering that comes in their life. And they bring that to each other 
in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And that, like, their relationship feels so deep and real because they're both just, like, we're suffering together. Yeah. And so I was just thinking about how love is maybe not necessarily someone, like, finding someone you can be happy with, but finding someone you can suffer with. That's, um, <laughs> depressing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I get, I get the point. I just hope that doesn't happen to either of us. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is that life is suffering. Yeah, but finding happiness in that also. Right, but then, like, Davis and Aza do find happiness in their suffering together, but their relationship only becomes real when they're like, this is what I'm struggling with. Yeah, when they have all the cards on the table. And so then it's like, whenever we think about relationships, we're both single. (laughs) Yeah. But we think about, like, finding relationships, or at least I do, it's a lot of, well, this person, like, I want a guy who can, like, bring me flowers and, like, make me feel important. Mm -hmm. And, like, hold my hand and, like, make me feel cute. And, like, we go on cute dates and stuff. And it's all these, like, happy things. Yeah. But then it's like, well, bad things are going to happen in my life. And I would rather have someone who understands me and who, like, understands my pain and, like, how I deal with pain. Yeah. Then I would rather have somebody who just knows the things that, like, make me smile. Yeah. I... See, I haven't thought that way. I haven't had the luxury to think that way. Um, I I have a friend on Facebook who she she talks about how her husband will like hold her when she's having a bad day and he'll just do really little things that mm-hmm. honestly wouldn't matter to either of us, but to her Like, she's in such a dark place that that is the only light she has. So I think about that constantly, just thinking, if I'm having a bad day, who is going to just be there? Not make it better. Just who's just going to sit there with me, meet me where I'm at, maybe ask the right questions, maybe not talk at all. It doesn't really matter. Just who eventually figures out the right thing because I can't imagine him just knowing exactly what to do. If I don't marry an idiot, I don't know what's going to happen because he'll probably be a lot smarter than me. Anyways. Yeah. um, So I wrote, isn't all we ever crave from life is to find someone who understands the deepest parts of our soul? (sighs) Yeah. Because I feel like that's what Davis and Aza do for each other. Yeah. Is that they understand each other in a way that nobody else in their life can mm-hmm. and though they don't end up together in the end they're they they're there for each other when they need each other yeah and they're like i understand you and when i don't understand you i'm trying to yeah and i think that's a really beautiful way to like display love mm-hmm. instead of like it's not the stereotypical materialistic oh, he's cute and pretty, or, oh, I met him in my childhood and now he's hot. It just, I mean, that kind of happened, but she didn't really want any of that. She just wanted someone to be open with, and I guess since she understood he was also suffering, she felt, well, all right, I guess I can tell him what's going on with me because his dad's probably dead. (laughs) Whatever. Right. It's the complete opposite of Daisy and Michael's relationship. 
There's so many parallels that I'm not just now realizing are in this book. They're so <laughs> annoying, though. But, like, <laughs> Daisy's like, this guy looks like a giant baby. <laughs> and then she, like, makes out with him and then is like, actually, I'm going to date him now. Yeah. Because, like, for He's her... He's kind of cute. Because, like, to her, the, being in a relationship is all about, like, who can I have fun with? Mm-hmm. While, like, Aza does not see that way in the relationship at all, like, with Davis. And so putting those two relationships next to each other and being like, these are the differences between them. You, like, look at it. You go, oh, yeah. Like, which relationship do we really want? Yeah. And then I also think it's important the fact that nobody helps Aza out of her spiral except for herself. Yeah, that's super important. Like, it wasn't just the medicine. It wasn't just going to the hospital and having that crash or that climax it wasn't just her psychologist that she always calls by her full name which (laughs) i don't understand i don't get that but that's her whole thing i mean there are some people like in my life that i call by their full names just because i think their full names are funny well yeah i don't think that's the case here but or (laughs) actors you call them by their full name you don't just call Matthew McConaughey, Matthew. Or Robert Downey Jr. is not just Robert. Or just Robert Downey. That's <laughs> gross. I don't like that. Um, but yeah, it it did seem like it was her plus the combination of everything else. Finally having a conversation with her mom about feeling suffocated and feeling like she's walking on eggshells egg and feeling like There's a quote where she says she's feeling like everyone wants you broken to whole, which I went, yep. If someone looked at someone who was super depressed or super anxious or just different, they would see that as broken and say, well, normal is whole and you should be whole and that'll make you happy. Yeah, that was big things. Aza's constantly like, I wish I was normal. Yeah. Which I was not crazy. And I was like, well, what even is normal? Yeah. And it's so hard because everybody wants to be what they aren't. Yeah. Like, Aza wishes, and like, I'm not saying it's a bad wish. She wishes like she wasn't crazy. Yeah. But, but then like somebody who's normal, like Daisy just wishes she had Aza's life. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, I wish I had your money. And so, like, everybody's constantly, like, wanting something that they don't have. And so, even if you're normal, you're not going to be fulfilled in that. Yeah. Normal, quote, unquote. Yeah. There's also this interesting parallel about what it means to be human. Yeah. Which I, like, talked about last week at the camp I worked at. But it was, like, a biblical, like, approach to, like, what it means to be human. But I was just thinking about it. I was like, well, what does make us human? Yeah. Because cause she's constantly like, I don't control my thoughts, like, I don't, like, I'm just a bunch of bacteria that makes me up. So, like, and then she gives the analogy of the nesting dolls. Mm-hmm. She's like, I just feel like I'm a bunch of nesting dolls, except the last one isn't solid, it's just hollow. And I was like, that's, like, a really interesting thing, because you just keep going, but, like, where's the bottom? Mm-hmm. And then that's when they talked about the turtles. Yeah. And I straight up, I don't get it. <laughs> Oh, I don't I, get turtles all the way down. I liked that part. Because I looked up Please what it meant it before I started. <laughs> and uh, I just, I liked his way of describing it. Where was that even at? I just don't get 
the spiritual revelation aspect of that. Like, I don't get why it's significant. Um, or how it's comforting. Because <laughs> I think it parallels the nesting doll analogy in the sense that, well, what's that turtle standing on? Another turtle. Well, what's that turtle standing on? Another one. And it just keeps going and going and going and doesn't stop. And that's why it's turtles all the way down, because there really is no solid foundation to land on. Well, that's terrifying. Like, I don't know why that would be comforting. Because finally there was a story that put science and spirituality together. And, um, let me see. I don't know. Um, you're trying to find the turtle at the bottom of the pile, but that's not how it works because it's turtles all the way down. I don't know. It just, I feel like she just related to it because she basically said the same thing. Yeah. There was just this moment where she's like, she's had something something akin to a spiritual revelation. Yeah. But I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. I think just bringing together the science of like, well, the earth was created however many years ago, whatever. I don't even know. (laughs) Versus, well, (laughs) old ladies. We can talk about that for now. (laughs) Old ladies and turtles. I don't know. I thought it described it at some point. Ugh. Dang it. I don't know. Well, now this is... Yeah, maybe it's just the idea that there's not an ending, that there's nothing to stand on. Yeah. It's, like, weird to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, infinity terrifies me. Yeah. It's, like, the idea that things exist into infinity. But that's fine. It's not my spiritual revelation, so... Yeah. It's not my book, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. There was this part. I wrote down that Aza, like, Aza's tone is, like, sadness and inside out. But Daisy's, like, joy from inside out. Yes. Because joy doesn't get it. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, and joy doesn't even get it until sadness touches everything yeah well she has to see it up close and personal to go wait this is the only way to save this that's a crazy that was like chapter seven. <gasps> oh my god like before things started to go bad where i was just like you know who Asia reminds me of sadness oh my gosh that's crazy <laughs> and then right before that i said maybe the character you relate most to is not Aza, but Davis. <laughs> uh, we love Davis in this house. I just love him so much. I love Noah. He reminds me of my little brother. It made me sad. <laughs> Are there any <laughs> other things that we haven't talked about? The fact that Davis literally told her to read the fan fiction, and then she did... And it was the worst possible thing in the world. Yeah, and he's like, I kind of like her. And I'm like, how? How? (laughs) What? (laughs) That's so dumb. But also, 
we're not reading the fanfiction. We're just reading Aza's reaction to the fanfiction. I mean, it sounded pretty bad. Right, but... She could have just been looking at all the negative parts. Right, for someone who's already insecure about themselves and already, like, a mess, yeah. reading things and being like, oh, that's me, they instantly, like, pick out all the negative things. Yeah. Because... But at the same time, Daisy got super defensive. She's like, well, I made up this character when I was in seventh grade and tried to defend herself. And it was like, then it must have been kind of bad if she was defending herself that hard. Yeah. I just feel like Davis is really innocent and lonely. But like he's an in, like he's a pure person who's been tainted by darkness. Yeah. And all he's trying to do is continue to be pure. Hmm. Yeah. Well, like Aza's a like pure person who's been tainted by darkness, but she let the darkness consume her. Mm-hmm. It's deep stuff over here. Yeah. So we're going to go to something not deep. Um, listen, when I, when we started reading this book, um, Carissa over here told me that if I could figure out in chapter <laughs> nine, what part I thought was most similar to her, I okay, would I texted a- her and said, there's this part in chapter nine that I relate to more than anything else in the entire book. <laughs> And if I, if she gets, guesses what it is, she gets a cookie. Yeah, so I today, as I was reading it, as I uh, mentioned before, I, uh, I figured it out. It was um, on page 95 because <laughs> I wrote it. down the page number. I just wrote forearms in all caps. I wrote down male forearm in all caps. Uh, no, we're literally the same. I just... <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> I really... <laughs> think that like white button-up shirts with like the rolled up sleeves like right below the elbow is really attractive (laughs) we will post a picture of many people doing this thing and i just there's like a guy who like broke my heart and then the like two weeks later he like came out with like his rolled up sleeves and i was like this is completely unfair that you're just that actually happened. It wasn't like two weeks. It was like two years. Oh but <laughs> gosh, though, like, bro, you like, can't do that, dude. You cannot just show your forearms around here. Oh my god. And it was just nice to know that I wasn't the only one. That John Green also thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope Mrs. John Green helped out a lot because I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah, She's like, he, listen, it, this is the hot thing. In the acknowledgments, it said, thank you to my wife for always reading this. <laughs> yeah, reading the mini versions of... Okay, yeah, I'm definitely posting pictures on Twitter of the button-up sleeves. Tell us what you think about the button-up rolling up the sleeves and um forearms <laughs> literally it says i'm not sure why but i've always been pretty keen on the male forearm and i just like okay i have a going list of i the- literally had to put my book down <laughs> <laughs> i have an ongoing list of things carissa likes in males and like things that have to happen Whenever she gets a boyfriend, husband, whatever, like, there's a list, and I'm going to give this good man this list if I approve of him. If I don't approve of him, he does not get the list. I may give him one thing off of the list, because 
I'm bitter. <laughs> I just thought that was important. Also, <laughs> on the same, literally like two sentences down, Michael sighed. Don't get her started on the whole our Wookiees people thing. <laughs> because I just, that's us. You cannot get us started on something controversial like Gilmore Girls Team Logan or our <laughs> Wookiees people because we will go on and on for hours debating and winning that debate. We do not go into debates to lose. Yeah, okay. I literally like wrote down, I was like, I've never thought about whether or not Chewbacca was a human. <laughs> Well, not even or a like human, he, like a person, a like a person. He has thoughts and feelings, and then I've never thought about it in context of bestiality, yeah, which they mentioned gross. in the book, and I was like, ew. But also, I don't think about Chewie romantically involved ever. <laughs> right, but then in the EU, which I will bring up, he had a son and a wife. He also had that in the Christmas special. If any of you old people <laughs> listening watch that at all, the Christmas special. He had like but, a family, but his like son was also a Wookiee, and his wife was also a Wookiee. Well, yeah, but also like it's happened. Like it's happened in Star Wars. Felix and, and humans get up a lot together a lot. Yeah, and rebels. Yeah, Kanan and Hera like got together, and she's a Twi'lek and he's a human. So I'm like. It's not, like, weird to me. And, like, when Ahsoka would, like, be romantically involved with people. Yeah. Quotes, because she never, like, actually got involved with people. Yeah. In the, like, Clone Wars, I would be like, oh, this is fine. Yeah. I think Daisy made the point that, well, if Twi'lek females can get together with human males, but males have to be the ones that, like, choose to have the weird species, that seems a little unfair. I'm thinking, well, feminism, here we go. Just dive right in. That's one of the things that I didn't necessarily like about this book, is that there's, like, random tidbits of feminism thrown in. Yeah, I didn't notice as much, unless you have other examples. I can't think of any other examples. I know it happened. I don't think I wrote any of them down. Yeah, because it... Because it was just, like, it was, like, an eye roll moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just, like, we have to remember, this is written by a man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The difference is you go to a Christian college and I go to a <laughs> women's college that has males in it, by the way, I'm just gonna say that, but learned a lot about fem- feminism, you guys. I had to take a women's class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I already know about women, but whatever, it's fine. So do you have a favorite quote? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. There were a lot of laugh out loud moments when um, when Davis was talking about Aza's body and then he said that he wanted to make a blog about her butt. <laughs> I died. Same. That was so funny. Um, I like to quote, your life is a story told about you, not one that you tell. That one was in chapter one. That one was really neat. I'm just going to read like quotes if I put any down. I liked, okay, one I liked in chapter five, where Daisy, like, they go and they're, like, trying to solve the crime, like, right at the beginning, and they're, like, done at the Pickett's house, and they're, like, leaving, and Daisy goes, okay, your to-do list, fall for Davis Pickett, which you've already mostly done. (laughs) And then her to-do list is, like, 
read the crime report. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then also, but I also liked, at one point, Daisy's like, if I die, like, sob at my grave, and then when there's seed, yeah, <laughs> if I die, weep at my grave every day until a seedling appears in the dirt, then cry on it to make it grow until it become a beautiful tree whose roots surround me. Oh my <laughs> gosh, like, she is so manipulative, this whole book. It's so bad. But some of it's funny. They're in chapter six, I don't remember what page it's on, but she calls somebody a loser Kylo stand. Oh, I was about to comment on that. That was so I wrote that down too. Funny. Like I thought you would love that. I'm not opposed to Kylo. Well yeah. yeah. I like Kylo Ren. I just mean the fact which that is she what, definitely called it out. Which it makes it all the like funnier because she doesn't like Kylo, obviously. Yeah. But also she thinks Attack of the Clones is the best Star Wars movie. So we already yeah. know that her judgment is huge. We can't trust her. Boys are gross. Everyone is gross, people in their gross bodies. It all makes me want to barf. Probably just some loser Kylo stand, she mumbled. I had no understanding of her fanfiction language. <laughs> Same. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, so... I read some reviews for this. Well, when I say I read some reviews, I read all of the bad reviews. Because <laughs> I just ran out of time to read the positive reviews. But basically, without reading the positive reviews, I imagine that the reviews are in two camps. Mm. Because all of the negative reviews mention John Green fans. Mm. And so I think that there's two camps when it falls in the reviews. People who like John Green, just already. And then people who just don't like John Green's writing. Right. And so then they go into it being like, I already know that I'm not going to like this. While the like other side goes into it, like, well, well John Green wrote this. I'm going to like it. And I don't fall in any of those categories. I'm pretty indifferent about John Green. Yeah. Even after reading this, I like his writing style. He had to write poetry throughout the book, and I thought that was really neat. And he wrote texts that were pretty... I related to those. They didn't sound like a grown man wrote them. But at the same time, I've never read anything of his. This was my first exposure to anything he's done. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle... So, yeah. So the other a lot of the negative reviews that I read were like John Green does too much telling and not enough showing. Mm, yeah. And that they just say he's like really wordy, wordy. Yeah. But so basically my thought of this is one I often skim over descriptions of people anyway. Yeah. So like I didn't notice any of that stuff. Yeah. Cuz like I read this review that was going on on and all on and on about how ridiculous John Green's descriptions of people are. And I was like, well, I don't notice those things anyway. Yeah, you just <laughs> go to the action parts. But I liked the mental health aspect of this book. Yeah. And I liked the way that was portrayed in a way that was relatable. Not just like, oh, I can understand that, but like, I feel that. Yeah. It wasn't just, I'm telling this story. It was, I'm telling this story from a point of view that there's actual suffering involved. You can tell that this is real versus someone just saying, oh, I have anxiety about my test tomorrow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, but I didn't like the ending because I thought it was too rushed, like yeah. I mentioned. So... Yeah. 
if we just have this big catharsis moment with a car crash and the lacerated liver and like yeah the hospital and then all of a sudden it's like okay here's the bow how did she not die from drinking all that hand sanitizer she and her up. liver was lacerated she threw up i just like all of it i don't know i have I, again, concerns that part i kind of skimmed over yeah i didn't like read i skimmed it yeah I, I just needed some closure on that, but okay. <laughs> so, what would you rate it out of 10? 10 pineapples, because that is our rating scale in this house. That is what we do right. here. 10 pineapples is the best it can possibly get. There are no other books better than this. Yeah. One is, this is the worst thing that I've ever read. I want to burn it. Or, I didn't even finish it. <laughs> yeah. One is, we procrastinated in this house. Or just hated it so much that we didn't finish it. Right. That one makes more sense. <laughs> um, anyways. Um, oh, man. I mean, I don't know. Maybe a six, I'd say. Like, not the best thing in the whole world, but... It's kind of in the middle. It's not... Yeah. I would give it six and a half pineapples. Yeah. It's not... It's not great. It's I mean, not like, the best thing in the world. Yeah, it's good, but it's not something that I, like, I'm going to think about. See, yeah. my rating things, like, for in order for something to be, like, a nine or ten, I have to think about it nonstop, like, outside yeah. of when I'm reading it. Or it has to make me cry. Those are like, if it does it, it automatically bumps up. Because it yeah. takes a lot to get me to cry. And this didn't make me cry. And I didn't spend a lot of my time thinking about the book itself. I was thinking about the, like, themes that were, like, brought up. Yeah. Like, I thought about suffering for a long time. But not in context of the book. Just in the context of, like, suffering in general. So it brought on good converse, like thoughts in my head. But not about the book. Yeah, I I tend to think if there is something, if there's an idea, if there's a way of thinking in a book that I really like or that I'm confused about or that I relate to, I will probably go back to that idea, but I may not remember where it's from. I may just go, oh, I read in a book somewhere that Wookiees are cool or whatever. Wiki Wookies are people. Yeah. There were just a lot of relatable moments, but it wasn't the best thing in the entire world. So it had some really funny moments though, where I had to set the book down because I was just laughing hysterically. Yeah. If somebody asked you, would you recommend this book to a friend? Like, if somebody asked you what, you, like, if you would recommend this book to them, would you? It just depends on their state of mind at the time. Like, if they're not very sympathetic towards mental health, or if they're having a really hard time at the moment, on either side of the scale, I'd say no. But if they're open to reading it both as fiction and, like, realistic fiction then I'd say yes. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because you just have to look at individual people and what they're going through. Like, I wouldn't 
suggests Shakespeare to a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, but this is definitely a book that if you are having a rough time and you're living in the middle of it, giving you a book where it describes all of the things that are going inside of her head is not going to be great. Yeah, the only thing I would say about that is that at the end, it kind of showed that there's a ray of hope. Mm -hmm. It didn't show the happy ending that you're expecting, but it showed a realistic ending, which is, I respect that a lot, being kind of in that same place of going, well, it's not great, but it's okay. <laughs> I think it actually said that at one point, like, life's okay, it's not great, it's not terrible, I'm not drinking hand sanitizer, so <laughs> it's fine. Right. Okay, so here the rank ranking system's gonna go. If it's a book that we're both reading for the first time or we've both read before, our scores are just averaged straight out. But if it's a book that one of us has read and the other one hasn't, the person who hasn't scored gets doubled. Okay. So with that, it's a 6.1 or 6.2 rating. Yeah. Average. Which we can just say is like a 6. Keep it in quarters. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, we don't want to cut that 6. We're cutting the pineapple up for the road, but not that small. Okay, <laughs> just enough. Yeah, so our average is a six. Six pineapples. Yeah. And we would maybe recommend it. Yeah, <laughs> just depending on the person. Yeah.